0: Greetings. I am back with the podcast on, I believe I mentioned on my Instagram site, I'm going to be doing on Black Moon Lilith, which is very interesting. And when you do your chart, you should check where that particular item is on the chart. And also on um, cluster planets and houses. But I do want to make a brief, uh, you know, comment on what's going on with Putin's chart and the Ukrainian uh, war, or basically Putin's war against Ukraine, and pretty much naked aggression against that country. I mean, I would say it would be that as anybody would if you're using common sense and i do see as i've seen for a year or so and other people have commented on this in the astrology field and other types of vedic astrology and other things that um putin really you know has overplayed his hand in this he has you know his aspects transiting pluto is squaring his Mercury in natal Libra, because Pluto is in late Capricorn. Um, So that's a square. It's a cardinal sign to an, you know, cardinal sign, earth and air. And then Venus in Scorpio, he has that. And um, what's interesting is Chiron uh, is not necessarily affecting it, but... Basically, Saturn is affecting his Venus and Scorpio. It's a little beyond uh, the degree, but it's within orb. Saturn right now is in Aquarius, so it's essentially a squaring it. Um, it's it would be termed loose, but in my opinion, it's it's pretty close. It's within the zone. And um, so that's squaring his Saturn, meaning the current Chiron um, aspect that will be squaring right now. Um, it would actually be squaring his Saturn in Libra, opposing it actually, because it's in Ares, and also... Um, it would be definitely um, opposing his sun in Libra, which is at about 13 degrees. And Chiron right now transiting is at 10 degrees Aries, so it's opposing his sun. And Chiron, of course, is the asteroid that truly connects w- with our the side that is the most vulnerable. It is the side, I call it pretty much the side of sorrow, the side where the wound hits. Um, Rumi has, uh, Rumi, the ancient uh, poet, uh, has a beautiful quote saying, the wound is where the light enters. And that is exactly the epitome of what Chiron is in our chart. It's where the Achilles heel is, it's where the wound is that cannot heal. It's all of the places that seem to be open and and open to pain and hurt throughout a lot of our lives until we accept the process of healing that. It can never really be healed. And what's interesting with Chiron opposing Putin's son in Libra is he is dragging out all of these old wounds in his speeches right now and his talks to Russians, his, his, I would call them his subjects. Basically, I mean, he he basically has elevated himself to czar status, and um, you know, he's talking about thirty years ago and the end of the Soviet Union, essentially, and the glory of Russia under the USSR and communism. And he really isn't a communist. I mean, he's basically a mafia head of a mafia state and he's got tons of money hidden everywhere and also you know Russia their gdp is is oil the gas i mean that's about it i mean they have an incredible amount of land that could be used in the hinterlands i mean could be used and and created into greenhouses and hydroponic Gardening and all of these things to feed Russians and to have self sufficiency in many more ways than they're doing now. Um, But they, he doesn't invest anything in that. All these so called minions and oligarchs, they invest in Western countries and they start companies, they buy up things and and they get their money outside. Of the country and give him a kickback. I mean, it's not very complicated. It's pretty much very, very high end mafia stuff that's going on. And his chart is, you know, it screams of this old timey USSR. Let's go back to the order of that because he grew up in that way and he was basically recruited into the KGB, came from a very, very small province in Russia. And, you know, your way out was the KGB, I guess, you know, in the 60s or something. And he did that, but um, he's really paying the price for the incredible amount of, uh, you know, yes men and yes people around him for years and years and years, and then saying, I'm going to be there till 2034 or something. He essentially is saying, I'm the czar. I'm I'm the only one that could do it like Trump did. You know, I'm the one that can fix it, that kind of idea, which is the hallmark of the pure narcissist. I'm the only one that can fix it. And um, when you have that attitude ingrained so deeply in your persona, in your being, it's over. You know, there is no way you can get through that. And uh, that's why kings and queens, other than, you know, the parliamentary, uh, the uh, government in, in the UK, they have That going on, the queen is sort of the figurehead. She's not certainly making policy, although she has great influence. The monarchy does, but you know that can only go so far. When you're in, you know, a place in the 1400s doing that crap, you know, it works. I'm it. I've got all the land, horses, all the things that are uh, connected to me, and I will bestow them as I wish. And I have an army and The world is very small. There's no worldwide global anything going on. You know, you basically, you're like the Hatfields and the McCoys, as we would call them here in the States. You know, you're fighting each other constantly, and you have your little bit of land, and you're constantly fighting. The world is completely changed, and apparently Putin is so isolated, he does not understand that. And what's um, very interesting as well is, Saturn is uh in Aquarius. Yes, it's definitely squaring his Venus in Scorpio and also his uh Uranus is in roughly 19 Cancer. And um Pluto has been opposing that, which is really not good as an outer planet opposition. Um you know it's it's basically pretty much you're going to have a rough ride no matter what you do and um and neptune in 21 libra is has been you know under the gun his his libra planet because pluto has been squaring that uh for quite a while and um that's You know, if you don't understand Pluto squaring Neptune, really, unless you get beyond delusion, which is Neptune and Pluto going, I'm going to knock your head against the concrete until you get this, you will be operating in a delusional and illusory type of format for a long time. And he is not around anyone that is telling him the reality of his life. This is totally screwed up. You can't keep doing this if you want to stay, you know, the head of this government. You must uh, give people more freedom in your country, and you have to expand to have your Duma and the people that are working, your business partners, to work in a legitimate way in the Western world to do trade and have a legitimate type of economy, which he's completely unwilling to do. And I find this... uh, So interesting, because he has a lot of Libra planets, which are generally in the area of cooperating and working with a group. But at the same time, the way he was raised, and the kind of KGB, you know, incubator that he came out of, and then he was in Germany, in East Germany, before the wall fell, you know, his mindset, his psychological um, imprint, as it were, is so uh, uh, bolstered by the worst of the Libra tendencies, which is, you know, self-elevation and and really uh, vanity. You know, a, a person with a lot of arrogance and vanity, the worst of what Libra can project. And lack of cooperation and compromise. Libra is about compromise. I mean, you know, all these leaders that have had to deal with him, say he's pragmatic and... You know, he once, you know, he gets down to the nitty-gritty and you know, he'll just do what's pragmatic and and um practical and all of those things. Well, he's not doing that anymore. He is showing his ideological side about the depth of his love for communism and the USSR and the way that he grew up and what he lived under. He's elevating that in his mind and heart and what whatever's going on with him at this point to a status that is no longer viable. Um and quite frankly, uh his uh life as a ruler when once he kicked Yeltsin out of there, they get kicked him out of the Duma cuz he was uh you know, pretty loose and drinking all the time and not very effective after they banished Gorbachev basically. Um is really the living the lifestyle like he did when he was in East Germany, where he made quite a bit of money just dealing on the black market and lived pretty well as a communist, you know, hack, basically, an administrator before the wall fell. So he's living, you know, a wonderful, beautiful, rich lifestyle, like people complain about Americans and Capitalism, he's living like a capitalist and, and spouting all this communism and, you know, share the wealth and, you know, we're all in it together for years or decades. And it's it's hypocrisy, uh, prima facie. It's hypocrisy on its face. It's ridiculous. And all of his little minions, like his oligarchs, are basically his hitmen and his people, and they have to pay him money with whatever money they make. Uh, illegally, most of it, or by bribes and saying, you can't do this unless I get that. I mean, I think Americans and other Western countries are well aware of that type of, uh, you know, way you do business. And yes, it does happen. But his entire country is run on that. And that's totally different than knocking out the mob- mafia in New York or something, or, uh, or illegal activities You want to have your life continue, and so you really try to do a lot of workarounds and try to be legitimate. This man doesn't even try that. And with all his money, he doesn't really give his people a lot of freedom to uh, embrace Western uh, customs in terms of regular Russians. I'm not talking about Russians that have tons and tons of money under him and have made money. You know, that's their prerogative. That's what he's allowed them to do. But I mean, regular working Russians, like Americans, the same thing in any country. You know, it's like, well, everybody's enjoying this. Why don't you let them enjoy the freedom? He's His internal clock, his internal essence, his psyche is still connected to the loyalty of the USSR and communism. And so he is living in a complete contradiction 24 hours a day. And you cannot lead for very long when you're doing that. And you're displaying it to the world and now across the world by invading a country that didn't do anything to you. NATO didn't invade Ukraine. Putin did. And many of your, you know... Uh, Russian uh, uh, constituents and the the Russian people do not want this. Why do they need a war? Who? What good is that going to do? So his chart is rife with just a tremendous amount of problems. And what is really interesting, the most thing that I see interesting about this is that Saturn is now, exactly conjunct his north node at about eighteen nineteen Aquarius, and the north node I've spoken about that in previous podcasts is what you're going toward, what your what your life means to you, what you ach- what you need to achieve in a lifetime if you believe in a soulic process and you believe that the soul has a process of growth and. I'm not necessarily talking about monetary growth or what you do in the world, your good deeds and who you are. I'm I'm talking about what you ascertain as your path when you grow up enough to begin to understand that. Some people get it when they're in their teens, some people know it when they're born, some people know it in their 20s. It just depends when you say this is really where I need to be. So Saturn, the 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 essence of discipline, and don't do that, and I wouldn't go there if I were you, all of these things, is right now, it is conjoining his North Node. So it's stopping him in his tracks. Saturn is the great leveler in his tracks in terms of this sort of power-hungry, I've gone crazy, and I'm just going to tell NATO to you know i'm going to take ukraine and then nato will just never touch me again and and you know i'll have ukraine right in the right next to me and then all these nato countries will be to the western part of ukraine and i'll just deal with that it, it, you know he's just trying to say i don't want any more of this around me and saturn is on his north node saying well this is where it ends too bad you are going to be stopped in your tracks. And Saturn, if any planetary attribute and the energy, the essence of that is going to do that with him within his chart setup, it's going to be Saturn. It's conjoined right there. I mean, it's it's exact. Saturn is at 18 Aquarius and his North Node is at 18 plus Aquarius. I mean, it couldn't be more visible. Uh, you're You'll be stopped in your tracks. And normally when we speak to people about their North Node and charts, astrologers, anybody, if you have a client, whatever, you're going, this is what you need to go towards. This is the goal. In Aquarius, it's the goal of inclusiveness. It's it's the goal of having people want to be under your leadership. They choose to do that. It's self-determination. It's a lot of the things that people, you know, basically bash about you know the rampant capitalism but it is the essence of soul sovereignty when when you want people to express who they are and what they want to do in life without ruining the group and collective identity or joy of that in the group it's a it's a commune type of thing it's a Uh, compromise, it's working within, but it's also expressing who you are. So Saturn, on his North Node, is saying, this is all wrong. What you're doing is going, you know, you're saying my personal goal is more important than anybody's on the planet, which is utterly ridiculous. It's ludicrous at this point. Maybe in the 14th century it worked, or perhaps the 15th century, you know, that people got away with a lot of that kings, czars, everybody did, because most people weren't educated in any real sense. Um, You can get away with a lot of that, as we all know. If you study even a little bit of history, you know that. But now, you can't get away with that. Telling your people nothing's happening in Ukraine and I'm winning. I mean, everybody gets information from their friends and on texts and everywhere else. I mean, it's ludicrous. It's the idiocy of this is massive. So he has run into a wall, basically. And the wall is the world community saying, This will not stand. No. You want to work within the world community? Uh, and trade and do whatever you want to do, great. But you can't be doing this. You know, this is something right straight out of the World War II playbook 70 plus years ago. It's unbelievable is what it is, and yet it's happening. So it's a good lesson for younger people in a way, and way younger, probably those in their early 40s and below that, um, even though they may have studied World War II, that here's a lesson in Hitlerian, you know, prancing and prancing through Poland while Neville Chamberlain says, well, I don't think he's going to do it. Well, you know, he's going to do it. And he did it. And in this case, he's doing the full-on sort of Hitler move where I'm just going there, unprovoked, completely and who's taking in ukrainians poland of all places wonderful they're they're being wonderful hosts to the ukrainians as they should be so you know he's doing this and it's like would you please throw up a reel of what hitler did or look at footage and google or something that's available to you and see that this is what you're doing it's beyond ridiculous and it's horrible and it's hurting people every day and it's utterly unnecessary. So Saturn, on his North Node, is just saying, okay, that's it for you. We're going to chomp you down and push you down. And that's what, what's going to happen in the financial sector and all of the things that are being happening with NATO and um, the uh, alliance in that way. They've all come through. They said, oh, we, we're not going to put up with this. He could be you know, bouncing into our country tomorrow. And then, you know, he's threatening nukes on a, on television. I mean, who does that? You know, well, he did it. He threatened nukes to the entire world or whoever he doesn't like. So these are things that are stopping him in his tracks. I don't know what will come of this in terms of um, how things will, you know, play out for him in terms of staying in his a position of power in Russia but his street cred and his political cred is has been pretty screwed and he screwed it in 4 days or 5 days which is pretty fast um everybody was hoping in the world that Trump would do it and apparently Trump cares more about his hats and selling stickers and books and all these things and i don't know uh, creating more money for himself but he doesn't have an army to invade any Country. So, this is very, very real for someone like Putin who embraces really the true view of the USSR and communism and how he grew up and being, you know, uh, put through the process of getting into the KGB. I mean, you know, he lives in the past, his essence, his psyche, by doing this horrible act is, well, you're really living in the past. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care where your money is, whatever you're doing with it. But you you really, truly are living in the past. And you really need to either get yourself out of the past or somebody will be ejecting you from that seat of presidential power. And you'll be, you know, retiring somewhere in the hinterlands of Russia or wherever you have, you know, your palatial as Navalny has said, his big opposer in Russia, you know, wherever your money is. I mean, not a lot of countries will accept him. So he has that to deal with. Um, You know, there's a reason that Kissinger hasn't left America. I mean, you know, these are people that could be for under war crimes. And, um, and they know it. So, His next move is hard to predict, unfortunately, for the world. But when you get on television, you threaten nukes to the entire world. Okay, you either need a therapist or they need to drag you out of there, because that's it. You can't be doing that crap and think that, oh, yeah, people are really going to accept that. That's something that's, oh, sure, no problem. It's a big freaking problem for everybody. And that's why he has an array of energy, psychic energy, opposing him around the world. The psychic energy around the world that is opposing this particular person called Vladimir Putin is gigantic. It, it, he may be living in his beautiful, palatial, isolated world, but the array of energy coming at him, the it, that can penetrate through, you know, a lot of marble. It can penetrate. It's just very, very intense. And it is not just coming from America, which we usually get, you know, hung with that mark. And, you know, rightly so, we do that a lot. But it's, it's all around the world. The European Union is going, oh, no freaking way are you going to be marching into my country. And they've awakened to that. You know, he's unpredictable. So all I'm saying to complete this, because I really don't want to you know, get into his world. I could care less, quite frankly, Um, that Saturn is conjunct his north node and he will be stopped in his tracks. I don't know what will be the outcome. I don't know if anybody can predict this. Um, But I really, truly applaud Zelensky because his son Venus or in Aquarius, he's getting help from Saturn conjoining his son. He's getting help from Mercury in Aquarius. He's getting help today with Moon and Aquarius. And he's truly exhibiting those wonderful Aquarian values of, I'm going to stand up for my country and I'm going to be there. I may have been a TV personality, but I'm a Ukrainian and I was duly elected out of a lot of people. And I'm going to be there for my people. He's doing the truly wonderful Aquarian walk of, you know, saying, you know, I'm here with my people. And he's worked with all of the NATO allies, uh, not just Biden, but all of the NATO allies that had to deal with all this crap after World War II. You know, that's why NATO was created. Yeah, there's good and bad to everything, but it's kind of good they're here now. I think people, you know, people going to Poland with their children, it's like, great, we're glad you're here because you never know when somebody's going to go nuts. And so the thing is that Zelensky is doing the right thing by exhibiting the best of those Aquarian traits. What's happening with Putin is Saturn is on his North Node, and he's exhibiting the worst. He's like, oh, I'm blocked. Everybody's blocking me. Well, gee, I wonder why. You're not working with anybody. You're not compromising. You're... sitting in there in some marble freaking room, you know, uh, dictating what's going to happen and, and arresting protesters on your street. You think that's smart? Very, very stupid move. You've overplayed your hand. Let them protest. All this, I mean, you don't need to do the Stalin dance for this. I mean, he was obviously worse, but don't arrest them. Let them be. You're, you're a fool to block them you are just a fool. And, you know, the world is playing Putin. Putin is not playing the world. So he's got a long road to go. I don't know if they'll keep him as president. Who knows what will happen? But um, he clearly is uh, in a massive delusional mode if he thinks he's going to carry on and on and on with this. Okay, so that's it for him. Zelensky is doing the good, cool Aquarian stuff. I'm amazed. This guy is like, was a TV guy, is a comedian. It's awesome. I mean, he's just like, I'm here with you. I mean, he's doing the right thing. So now we're going to get into, which I was talking about, the um, Black Moon Lilith. And um, and I'm just going to make it as, you know, easy as I can for people to understand this. It's a pretty, it's kind of like studying Chiron or... Um, studying asteroids that are pretty prominent in the chart. I mean, they're, they're recognized, let's say. Um, Black Moon Lilith is, um, in terms of behavior, we'll get to that because, of course, that's my favorite topic. It, it, uh, it basically indicates a person's primitive impulses and their behavior in some of the raw forms. Like, really, I would say, um, the primitive element of it is more the things that we think we shouldn't be doing. And then I'll get into cluster planets in the houses, which I promised on my Instagram page. But um, let's go through like from Aries through, mm, I would just say maybe through maybe Virgo or something. And then the next podcast I'll do it from, Libra through Pisces. So if you've got, you, when you do your chart, you'll see these asteroids and where your your Lilith. It's basically indicated as the Lilith planet in your chart when you cast your chart, when you do it. And you can do it on the internet. There's many places, as I've said before, where you can do your chart with your date of birth, you're as close of the time of birth as you have and where you were born. And you'll see these things in a more expanded chart. Um... So Lilith and Aries is, um, I would say, it's an absolutist character. Um, It is, you constantly defend your point of view, and um, you are completely enthralled by the most basic of instincts. A stimulus is very necessary. Um, Sensuality is, wow, it's kind of off the charts with... um, Black Moon, Lilith, and Aries, it's it really into, uh, you could be in a phase where you could be doing, you know, going to clubs and getting high and doing, I mean, it really goes like the whole full court press of just getting into sort of the, you know, hedonistic element of your sexuality and your, your um, openness and your, your wanting it to experience a lot very fast all the time. And, um, you know, very direct in love, you throw yourself, you know, very directly if you love someone and, or you think you do, you might be in love on different levels than what would be called spiritual or in-depth love, or character, people that meet your needs. Um, and, the dark side of this, because I'm going to explain the dark side because that's important with Black Moon Lilith and Aries. The dark side of this is that, you know, there can be a lot of um perhaps a little bit of brutal sexuality and maybe that sort of SM and working out stuff in terms of uh, you know, the hard the harsh side of it. And um there can be uh, the arrogance and the selfishness in the sexual or emotional nature of ourselves with Black Moon Lilith and Aries, it can be there. And um, and that's the part that you have to watch out for. These are things that I've found, because I know where mine is, and I've been studying it for a while, uh, where I've found that there, these are places in our life if we choose sort of what I would call the, the path where we want to grow and progress, I don't mean good or bad. I really do not subscribe to the Judeo-Christian um, value spectrum of good and evil and all of that stuff. I mean, there is evil in the world. There is like you know, marching into somebody's country, that's pretty much evil. Um, killing somebody is evil, all of those things. But I'm talking about the spectrum of the emotional psyche, like Freud and Jung used to talk about it. I don't subscribe to the Judeo-Christian view of that. I I believe in people understanding their dark side, their inner life, their the side that could be the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of their life. I think it's important to embrace what could be. What is expressing from time to time in our lives as a as a darkness, as a shadow, as something that we really don't want to be this way, but we are. And, and this has nothing to do being connected to drinking or drugs or any kind of outer stimuli. It's ourselves. It has to do with our inner needs of expressing this, you know, errant, weird part of ourselves uh, that maybe we were never understood when we grew up or never explored when we were experimenting in our 20s, or even earlier. Maybe it was thrown upon us. But we all have a shadow side. And, you know, I've studied Freud and Jung for years and other psychologists, um, even behavioralists, which are rather boring and predictable. But we do all have that. We have that. um, A lot of people that are really connected to their their soapbox of heavy duty Christianity and things like this are, you know, what they believe Christ taught, uh, what whatever their belief is in that. They're, you know, they don't want to see the dark side. They don't want to see the shadow side of that of, you know, your proselytizing could become cult-like. Your your uh overbearingness can become oppressive, all of these types of things, which You know, if you're probably listening to my podcast, you're pretty aware of those things anyway. um, But the dark side of sexuality, let's say in this case with Black Moon, Lilith, and Aries, is really more um, uh, unfaithfulness in marriage. um, All of those things can come out in that way. Um, And looking at that in ourselves, we may be generally pretty damn good people and we are working for the common good. And that includes, you know, our own life and our family and the people we love. But we may have a side that just, you know, really can't subscribe to everything 24 hours a day, you know, in a more militant sense that we're just always doing the best thing we can. We may have a side that just wants to break out and experience other things. So I would say Black Moon, Lilith, and Aries, when you look at it in your chart, that you should just Try to understand, if you're even older, that, you know, you may have a side at one point in your life that may come out and want to just, you know, freak and do whatever you want to do and not be beholden to the righteousness of what everybody's maybe putting on you or saying you should be. And you need to keep it in check because you can hurt people with that dark side. You can hurt people with that shadow side. What you don't want to be doing is hurting people with the shadow side to such a degree that it's really, really detrimental. There are people who respond as we know in life, as we go through life and learn and grow that respond to our shadow side or they respond and to our lighter side, our better side, you know, the one that truly loves people and our, our souls and humanity and wants to basically be a good partner in life. But there are people that we attract and, and it could be younger or later in our life that respond to like the darker side that just wants to be the evil little demon and do all these little evil things. But that's okay if they're not truly hurting those that are so innocent or so unable to deal with this that they get hurt. Hurt is part of the process of growing, and I think we all know that. That's where Chiron comes into our chart. We will all be hurt. From time to time, some will be hurt more than others. And I'm speaking more on the emotional, psychic level. It can move to the physical, but I'm not terribly invested in that um psychoanalysis, let's say. Because that's when it gets really deep and, and demonic, when people are hurting each other physically, or hurting groups of people, whatever it may be. Um But emotionally and psychically speaking, we all have the demon. We all have the angel and we all have the demon and, you know, all of those types of concepts and icons and archetypes that we have studied over our lives. None of us is just one thing. Um, We all have a mix of things. Um, Some things are more pronounced than others, obviously you know, they are, but we all have a shadow side. And so in Black Moon, Lilith and Aries, we need to look at that in terms of, the kind of levels that we get to in terms of our need for sort of shadow side sexuality or shadow side types of emotional manipulation of others. We have to check that. I mean, I wouldn't call Aries a big, you know, emotional or mental manipulator. They're good, but they're more physical. They're like, oh, let's just get to the point. Um, That's more Scorpio. That's more in the Scorpio neighborhood. Um, They're just like, they get right at it. You know, it's more like Marlon Brando and the wild one or something. You know, he just gets in there and looks at people and go, You think you're good? Well, you're not really that good. You know, he gets in there gets into their head. Something out of a Tennessee Williams play, like, you know, um, I don't know, streetcar named Desire. You know, he basically pulls that character Blanche apart. It's that kind of thing. You know, the Aries icon. So with Black Moon, Lilith, and Aries. That's what you're going to get. So I would say to people that have that, um, or have that particular marker a signature, that you need to understand that you can't just go full blown with these things. You need to check in and, you know, move with the growth of who you are in terms of do no harm, It's not that you can't get crazy or understand your shadow side. We kind of have to go into the shadow to really get it and understand it, to move out of the shadow side of ourselves. We really kind of have to experience it for ourselves. And, you know, I personally um, believe, this is just me, that we do have to experience a real dark night of the soul, a real depth of being and a difficult period either one or two or three, in our lives for us to understand the beauty and the growth that we can have in another sense in our lives once we pull out of that pit of darkness. Um, I am a big believer that the dark night of the soul, that's sort of a term everybody uses, um, which I did when I was really studying a lot of more spiritual texts, uh, is an important part of the soulic growth process and path and psychic growth. Very important. So, and the only way out is through. You you kind of have to experience it. But you really want to understand the levels of, of not going too far to hurt people, you know, it, it, to the point where they can't come back from that or hurt yourself as well. Try to keep it in check if you can. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes you really have to go below the bottom. You can't. Um, but the point is is to get above it and move beyond it. If you want to have a, a life where you're giving and truly enjoying and giving um, to others as well yourself. Black Moon, Lilith, and Taurus really has to do a lot with Sensuality and money. Money is a big deal for people with a lot of Taurus in their chart, or at least two or three planets, Moon, Jupiter, Sun, Venus. Money is a big deal. Um, the, The need to accumulate. That can be... A dark side, a shadow side, because, you know, you may be hurting people along the way when you need to accumulate. You may be locking them out of things that you should share with them. You may be pushing them away. You may be so stubborn that you're not working with them to try and create a consensus where you're working together. And there's also the element of tremendous greed with Black Moon Lilith and Taurus. Greed of all kinds of things, uh, sensuality and money, which, you know, if you watch that show Billions, I think it kind of goes hand in hand, or many other shows, with that intense, heavy, very, very, I would say, physical plane Taurus expression, where the the spiritual energy, the, the energy of the soul is not being expressed or being even recognized by someone. So this can get into very, very heavy types of living of just, you know, it's money, it's sex, it's this, it's uh, creature comforts, it's this. This is all that it means to me. You can hurt people, you can send people away from this, away from you that you love, because you're so entrenched in this process. Again, Lilith is the shadow side. It's there. Yes, Pluto is there in the chart as certainly an accompaniment to the shadow side, but Pluto can be far more um, elevated and far more revelatory and I would say redemptive than the Lilith uh, type of expression in the chart. It's something you have to work through. So it can give way to tons of greed um, and being very, very stingy with money, uh, which is so... Ridiculous. I mean, just stingy because the stubbornness is there with the Taurus. And it can also result in poverty. You're so greedy or you're so desirous of accumulation and money and this and that, that it can result in, you know, blowing all of your chances and Getting into the poverty zone. And by poverty, I mean, I don't mean that it's over completely or you're on the street. I just mean for someone who is accumulating a lot, you know, they could suddenly take a hit and, you know, maybe they don't have so much. And so they're grieving and they're going through all this difficulty and um, life changes. And it's very hard for them to come back from it. So you have to keep that in check. And it's a balance you know, poverty and, and you know, the greed. I mean, they're really, in many ways, the opposite of, they're the complete opposite energy of each other. So that's one way where um, Black Moon, Lilith, and Taurus can express itself. And, um, you know, Black Moon, Lilith, and Gemini, you've got Lilith and Gemini, um, This is a problem of communication. Um, It can uh, come in as being too communicative to so many people or to everybody so, uh, so much of the time, just constantly telling them what to do or constantly giving them information. And I mean, probably verbally, like your persona is doing this, not necessarily writing to them or... You know, doing a podcast like this or, you know, communicating on any social media. It's more of the communication where you're barraging them with constant information when Lilith is in Gemini. And, um, and, and you have to be, uh, clear and definitive, but there can be a lot of confusion when Lilith is in Gemini. And because, um, You're falling into areas that can be very, very sensitive for people. They can involve emotional problems that other people may be experiencing. Then you're taking it right out of the mental realm, the intellectual realm, and you're putting it into the, you know, solar plexus, sacral center, emotional realm of this stuff. So you're mixing emotion with intellect, And if you're not clear on how you're trying to blend those two, like the heart and mind, to to make it easier to understand, you're going to be barraging people with communication and information and who you are and what you're doing, where they're just overwhelmed. It's just so overwhelming for them. They can't take it. Um, And Mercury is a, a fabulous way to have great... Communication and eloquence and articulation. Strong Mercuries in a chart have that all the time. But at the same time, you're also preying on people with words. I mean, in this podcast, if I were an ideologue, you know, I could be doing a really super like uh, structured podcast where I'd be using a lot of you know, neurolinguistics and all of these types of terms where I'd be using things to prey upon people that may be listening to this so that they can pick this up and they can start to run with that sort of, you know, lightly cult-like thing. And so it's it's with Lilith and Gemini, it's sort of like, I want to indoctrinate you more than just communicate with you. That's a completely different thing, indoctrinating people. I mean, indoctrination has a very specific structural plan. Anybody in any mode of academia or any mode of psychology, uh, in governments and in academia and elsewhere in in psychiatry, there's a specific way in which people become indoctrinated. And you, there are people that are so gifted verbally and academically and intellectually that they can do this very, very easily. Lilith and Gemini, you may have a real talent for it. These are people that turn into cult leaders and um, people that, you know, have no problem getting up in front of a room full of people and absolutely telling them what to do and giving them structured plans. And this is how you do this and this. And it really may not be something that that can be ultimately really good for the group of people that is receiving all that information. The best way is to allow others to question what you're saying when you have Lilith and Gemini, not just take it and mug jug in, the, in out, you know, garbage in, garbage out, that kind of thing. Just like this, you know, question. I always want people to look at their chart, question what it is in terms of the relationship to who they are in the world and what they're doing. It's all relating. All of it is a relationship type of thing. There's no thing that exists within looking at a blueprint of an astrological chart that exists in a vacuum. It's all the science of relationships in these things. The planet, the planet in the sign, in the house, and the squares, and the conjunctions, and the trines, all of these things are basically like a little dance. And we have to look at them as a group, as an entire group of energies, and um, the Mercury, you know, Lilith and Gemini, with Mercury being the prominent element there, because Mercury rules Gemini, and Gemini is connected to Mercury. Obviously, um, is more of the proselytizer, um, you know, pushing with words, word smiths that do this. Um, the best way to use these kinds of things are in creative areas, fictional areas, because then you can have free reign to be as crazy as you want. It's fictional. And um, as far as I've looked around lately, I mean, there's a lot of people that believe in TV shows and things like this that are fictional, that, you know, they think that, you know, they're like basically getting the word of God or the word of some spiritual being or the word of something. Uh, by cr- truly wonderful creative writers that are just musing with their imagination. And they're making these things uh, communicable and and interesting and and wonderful so that people can enjoy them as a fictional piece and enjoy them as a form of entertainment. But there are people that are very, very sensitive that are receiving these things that view them as something real. I mean uh it's amazing the the cult like aspects around great fictional writing writings that have happened um again they're great uh because they're done by such uh creative people and they're they're on point and they hit all of the the sensitive points that human beings respond to but also those listening And taking them in, it's good to still have, you know, your critical mind operating, realizing that this is a work of fiction. And um, it came out of the, jumped out of the imagination of some great writer that was able to put words together verbally and on paper that were exquisite and elegant. And, you know, uh, it's wonderful. I mean, I certainly appreciate it, but I'm certainly not going to be believing it as the ultimate truth. You know, things that are trilogies. I mean, great sci-fi writers truly bring in people that, you know, they subscribe if they have critical thinking as well to the great essence of those science fiction writings. The essence of them are great philosophical stories, and they truly are wonderful. But, you know, when you're just putting them out and you adapt them for uh, mass consumption, not everybody's reading books, uh, as we know, um when you adapt them in in a, it's a verbal way, a televised way, or in a dramatic way, stage, anything, you know, you're now putting a lot of qualification on them. You're modifying them. The writers, the people that are adapting them are modifying the essential message. So, When you have Black Moon, Lilith, and Gemini, or Lilith and Gemini, you have to understand, you have to really work on your critical thinking, and you really have to understand, you can't just bamboozle people and give them a good riff and think it's going to work. And this is in love, romance, it can be in the psychology of what you're doing at the moment, this, your life, how you're progressing. It can be in your relationships. You know, some riff or something is not just going to change their way. And you can't just prey upon people because you have a silver tongue. You have a way to do it. You have a way that works, you know, that people are just responding to. And there are um, people, as we know, um, now and previously that can get up in front of a crowd or write or adapt things that are just absolutely brilliant. I mean, the ancients were that way. I mean, they enthralled their uh, followers, uh, Greeks, Romans, all of them. It doesn't mean that, you know, they're telling you the truth. (laughs) You really have to get that. It means that they're adapting the truth in an elegant way. And probably in many, many circumstances, a predatory way so that the mind, the softer mind takes it in as, wow, this is the truth. Well, think again. It may not be the truth. And you have to think again for yourself. You have to research. You have to do all that. So, this goes for, you know, the Don Juan types, the Donna Awana types, you know, talking you into a good riff. uh, One of those is that person, um, you know, uh, that was on uh, the, I don't know, she's the Soho grifter, Anna Delvey. She was on the Netflix thing. And I read about her in the New Yorker years ago and everything and how she wound everybody into her story and got people to pay for stuff. I mean, she's brilliant. I mean... Just in terms of the sense of assuming the position and, and uh, you know, the way she was speaking and everything. I mean, she just really uh, was a, a brilliant con artist. And uh, I'm sure that uh, we know many of the big con artists in the world now. I'm sure they could learn a thing or two from her. But that's kind of the example, not the entire one. Um, so be careful of that in your personal life and in your work life. And be aware of people with that as well. So we have Black Moon, Lilith, and Cancer. Um, and that is always about the family. So Lilith and Cancer, because you'll see that in your chart setup. Um, you really have to work through your family ties, your history, your ancestral strings to life, and um, all of the things that keep you uh, pulled down and dragged down by family life or ancestral heritage, and that block you. Um, they can be family ancestral heritages that are so incredibly immense and popular or prominent or powerful that you have no life. You you literally are tied from birth to your ancestral heritage because of the money and because of the power and all of the things that go along with that. And there are a plethora of things that can go along with that. You know, blockages to what you may want to do to break out and then you won't be on the money train with the rest of the family. All of these things. There are cultural things with that. There are behavioral, emotional things with that. And um, also, there's a blockage with Lilith and Cancer of real enjoyment of one's true sexuality. There's more daydreaming than actual, you know, enjoyment of physical life or sexuality or emotional life with a partner or whatever you're into. It's more of a daydreaming quality that goes on than actually doing anything. So, with Lilith and Cancer, um, it, there's an there's a need, a push, uh, a a desire, a really deep need to reveal all of these inhibitions that have come through because of the famu- familial ties and familial restrictions. Um, all group oriented, all very very cancer oriented because cancer is the family. It's Moon ruled, and. Um, there's also tremendous jealousy that can come with this placement, Lilith and Cancer, Black Moon, Lilith and Cancer, jealousy and, um, and suffering when it comes to how you feel about yourself in your connection with your beloved, uh, your sexual relationships, all of these things, agonizing over these things. So you want to understand, you know, why are these, Things. Why are these patterns happening? That's a lot of what I see with Lilith in the chart. Although it's n- not discussed a lot, some people do, but they don't get into it with clients because you got to go way deep, and unless you're very close to that client, it's it's kind of too hard to get into. But a lot of the Lilith energy in a chart, and it's prominent in both male and female, and anything that you identify, any particular. Uh, type that you identify with as a human being um, is about inhibitions and who am I really and about our primal influences. And you know, that's the last thing anybody wants to talk about in a therapy session, or with a friend or going out for drinks. Let me talk to you about my primal instincts. Like nobody really wants to freaking hear that unless you have a best friend that's like, you know, Drinking a lot, or you're sitting there and you just go through the whole laundry list, it's so not uh, acceptable. You know, it's just like, really? I don't want to hear that. Please, TMI, too much. So, these are the kinds of things that are present in the Lilith aspect, but we don't want to look at them a lot because they're really very, very personal. They're they hit on the most personal level with ourselves, and um. Uh, and so, with in cancer, let's get back to Lilith and cancer, you know, they can suffer through unpleasurable sexual relationships, and then they want to break out and have affairs, or they want to have emotional affairs that aren't sexual, or they want, you know, somebody like, oh my god, I'm like totally into their mind, I'm in a mental relationship, an intellectual relationship with someone, and they're really into it, and then they turn it into some sort of Emotional, sexual, psyche relationship, so they go all over the place with this stuff on the dark side, because we're talking about the dark side, the stuff that's inhibited here, and um, and so there's this back and forth of should I, shouldn't I, and there can be jealousy if uh, your mate or you or your mate is jealous at you if you go if you uh, have an affair, all of these things can come up with a lilith and cancer scenario. And um um and and the thing is is that there's an element of this jealousy and ownership and this protectiveness which is so cancer, you know. Protectiveness can be smothering too. Protectiveness is beautiful when there's an element and a way to breathe in the relationship. It's smothering when people are, you know, tracking your every movement and you know, telling you what's good for you every day. Um, unless you enjoy that. I mean, I don't, I don't think even kids enjoy it and their mothers do it or their fathers, both of them do it when they're growing up or their guardians. It's it's just, it's overwhelming. It's overbearing. So that can happen with the little thing cancer. The best way or one of the best ways at least to deal with this is to All these areas of fear and inhibition, look at them, understand them, try to understand and try to curb those tendencies because they're there. Try to curb them. And, you know, either the partner or your partner or whatever happens, you get into other relationships, um, infidelity, whatever comes up and there's possessiveness, you need to find a balance. You know, why did this happen? You know, was somebody not available to you? Were they not making themselves clear to you? Why are these things happening? Understand what the primal, I would say in this case with Lilith, and I know that most people, you know, in astrology and in, you know, other types of spiritual work, or as they would view it, don't want to look at this, but I would look at it as what's your gut instinct? That's when you know Lilith is operating. Oh, they did that and then there's this just this rush of sacral center solar plexus goo of i don't like that and it's really reactive it's just totally reactive which is Again, look at yourself when that happens. If it's a pattern that keeps happening and you keep losing relationships or you keep fighting or it's not working, look at yourself in those scenarios. And that's for every Lilith placement, no matter the manifestation in Gemini or Taurus or Aries. So, Cancer really has to work at it. Um And... um you have to deal with shyness with Lilith and Cancer as well. Um, there's shyness in terms of the way you are in life uh, to the world, but then there's a lack of inhibition when you're really letting yourself cut loose. So too many drinks, cutting loose too much may not get you in the best place. You have to be careful. I don't, I'm not talking about the drinking part. I'm talking about the getting loose part. You have to be careful who you fall in with. Be aware of that, because there is a real element of inhibition, how I should be, how I should act, all of those things. And um, you want to be sure that, you know, you're understanding these impulses. And very rarely do we understand them in our teenage years and really very rarely during our 20s. It's only when we're get, we get hit with that lunar return, when 27 hits, it comes back to our our moon sign when we were born, our natal sign, and our Saturn return when we're about 29, 30, and 31. It's right in those three periods of time. The first Saturn hit, which I've discussed somewhat at length in my other podcasts, um, when we really get the sense, oh, this is real life. I can't just be, you know, doing whatever the hell I want every moment of the day. It's real life. It's kind of like a big wake-up call a big splash of cold water or somebody dragging you into a cold shower, the Saturn return, the first one, is the biggest because it's like, oh, yeah, I'm in real life now. And you may be married during that time, or you may want to get married during that time. I always see that, and and it's borne out that often people get married during the Saturn return or they get divorced. Um, It's either the breaking up or the getting together. And, you know, the marriage that occurs... Uh, I think, this is just my view from charts and from studying this for years, those that marry in their 30s, like when the Saturn returns happening, get married 30, 31, somewhere in there, uh, 30, you you have the sort of the best chance to make it quite a while. I mean, at least, depending on all of the auspices around the marriage, uh, through a 30-year period uh, till the next Saturn uh, aspect. So it's, it's good, but, um, uh, it's, you know, I always, I don't really do a lot of people that are way younger. Uh, you know, I definitely won't be doing clients that are younger than 18. They have to be an adult, but, um, but getting married before 30 or 29 or something like, I mean, marriage, like, the real deal. Like you can live with together with somebody because there's still kind of an out with that. You know, it's not... But the whole thing of we're bonding now, we're going to do this thing, um, is, uh, you know, let's hope it works. Let's hope you stay together because you really have a big change when 30 hits. It is a change. And you ch- either change together or you change apart. It just goes that way. But it's a big one. So... Now we're going to do Black Moon, Lilith, and Leo. Um, So this is interesting. Lilith and Leo is like, you have to kind of understand what your creative talents are. You can't just keep them inhibited and pushed down and... um, saying, you know, I'm not that. I you know, I'm I want to be like somebody else. Leo, you know, they they're not mimics. Cancers are more in the mimic category. You know, oh, I want to do that what they did. Leos are more, you know, I'm myself and I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to use some of the props and the cool things that somebody else did to get so they got recognition, but I'm not going to do it the way they do it. I'm going to do it my own special way. That's the Leo way. But you're definitely going to take the best parts. Um, But if you do that just for social recognition, they're not going to last very, very long. They just won't. It really is more you're looking at other people to kind of give you your cue um, as to what to do next in order to get noticed. Um, the way through with the Black Moon Lilith or Lilith, as you see in your chart, the way through this Lilith and Leo is to be completely authentically yourself. And that is really the most important thing. Just yourself, be authentically who you are. And you will get more recognition than you ever wanted in your life by doing that. And um, you can be, you can be into your physical beauty. You can be into your emotional intensity. You can be into your, uh, you know, ability to just be in the world with your social graces and who you know and all these great people. And I'm recognized, and all these people do wonderful things, and I'm around them, and you know, so I'm a celebrity by uh, association, or somebody knows me by association. In your smaller world or in your larger world, could be a larger, more global stage that this happens on. But the main thing with this is that it won't last too long if if you're living off of somebody else's achievements and growth and what they do in their life and and associating yourself and saying, well, they did that, so I'm with them, so I'm part of that. You're not. You have to achieve on your own. You have to achieve your own authenticity in what you do. And that is the, the incredible amount of work that is required with Lilith and Leo you know, you want, desperately, you want the recognition. I mean, I haven't met one Leo that wants to hide out. I mean, maybe, you know, some of them with a lot of Pluto and Leo in certain aspects, but they really don't want to hide. They really do like the recognition, even if they come off humble. Um, They enjoy it, and they should enjoy it. I mean, that's who they are. That's part of their fun. That's part of their persona. But with Lilith there, it's this thing of I'm going to cling to people that have done something and then that's going to be me. I'm going. To, it's going to rub off on me. It's not going to work that way for you. You have to create something of your own, which is what these people that have created something of their own around you are kind of teaching you by example. When you come up with something good, then you can be like me. That's really the lesson there. And so the the shadow side of this with the Lilith and Leo part is that, um, you know, you try to wind your way into scenarios and with people that are of note or people that have recognition in a way that gets you into trouble or it's a way that gets you into emotional skirmishes and um, sort of a psychosexual weirdness that um, is really not necessary and can wind you into things that could be hurtful to you and to the other person, and um, and 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 giving yourself a sense of uh, arrogance that really is unnecessary and doesn't really apply. I mean, there you people can shine and be arrogant and be strong. Um, I think awareness and, and strength is a form of shining. It's better than just, you know, naked arrogance. I mean, it can be fun to be arrogant sometimes, but you have to make it fun. But that kind of stuff, if you make it serious, serious arrogance without anything to really back it up with whatever you're saying is really dumb. And it really l- leads to a very bad impression on others. And it's also, it it's not necessary and it leaves you back in the hole that you're in. Creating something authentic for yourself means that you can be out there in the world, whether you're with people that have had great achievement and success in the world, which is important to Lilith and Leo. That's very important. You know, they don't want some shut in. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you, you can't have their success. You have to create your own and you can be yourself. You can be what you've created, learn from them. You know, you're rubbing up against people that may have done really cool things, many great things, people that have been recognized for something. But have your own place in their world, not just be in their world. Have your own place. And this can be in your own personal world, on in your home life, whatever it is in, in your work life. It can apply to anything. Or it can be on a far more grandiose scale, which is people that are celebrities and that are known entities and recognized what they're doing in the world um, on more global or visual platforms that people see, and now with the democracy of the internet, <laughs> I use that very uh, reservedly at this point. It's sort kind of like free range. It's crazy time, but with but it is. It's a democracy of the internet. Of course, there are so many ways that you can create actual real things and be. Uh, authentic in the uh, things that you do and and be recognized for that authenticity. The uh, Lilith in Leo needs to have an authentic item or an authentic thing or an authentic type of work that they do that makes them feel good about themselves and makes others look at them for the reality of that rather than living and seeking uh, celebrity or recognition from others that are around you. And um, you may be betrayed by others while you're not really working on yourself, as it were, you know, working on your own uh, growth and talent Um, by others around you that, you know, said, oh, yeah, you're great, you know, you're admiring them all the time and praising them, and you think that they're going to be loyal to you. Well, maybe not, you know. Maybe they won't be loyal to you, and so you feel betrayed sometimes by your partner or the people that you work with. That can be worked on. And and the other spiritual element of this, after you move through all of the personal stuff, which usually happens in our 20s and 30s when we're moving through all of that muck of the need for a lot of personal growth and recognition, um, you know, you need to understand and recognize yourself more than relying on others recognizing you. That's the key, that you recognize your talents and what you're doing. So that is Lilith and Leo. The dark side is all of the stuff that we fall into when we're not connecting with our inner path and with our soul at process. It's all the stuff, it's the traps, the traps, the trappings, everything that we fall into. And they're so easy and everybody does, no matter how they look on camera or whatever they're doing or whatever they're saying to an interviewer. Everyone has a shadow. Everyone has a dark side. And by that, I don't mean that they're doing evil things by any means. I just mean that they all have a side that, you know, I don't really like this part of me. I, I'm, It comes out, it's the little demon. You know, I don't really hurt anybody by it. But I don't really like this part of me. It's the selfish part. It's the part that doesn't really come up to what I feel I should be doing. It's all of those things. That's what I'm talking about. And Lilith will fully, fully, fully show you all of that. It's very, very gut oriented, very primal in its expression in, in the way you feel it. So we'll do one more we'll do. And then I'll do some on another podcast, Libra through Pisces. We'll do Lilith and Virgo. Um, so this is an interesting one. Um, Lilith and Virgo. Black Moon, Lilith and Virgo. Um, so this is very Virgoian. It's um it affects daily activities. Um, there is an L- there's a side to be very messy or very compulsively clean and tidy and extreme and perfectionist. And um there is a side of sexuality that is like very very practical about sexuality even if they want someone or they're in a relationship or they're they're um not in one they're very lucid clear there there's no um sense of shame which is so you know people uh ascribe uh with virgo you know this virgin thing and you know she's modest and she, he, you know, a more androgynous type of thing. Modest, they don't want to do anything. They're, you know, they don't, they're not really into sex, blah, blah, blah. Very, very untrue Virgos. They're not modest at all, but they don't, what they don't do is they don't throw pearls before swine. They don't throw everything out on the carpet. They're, they're, you know, close to the vest. They're contained, generally speaking. But it doesn't mean they do not accept their sexuality. They do. They accept their sensuality and their sexuality. And there are certain parts of it um, where they do express their sexual instincts, depending on who they're with and depending on the repressiveness of their connection in themselves and with a partner. They can do that. Um, however, That said, they are very practical about the need for human beings to enjoy their sexuality and their sensuality. Virgos really are. They, you know, they see it as, oh, of course, you know, we have a body here; it is, let's use it. I mean, they really are very much like that. Um, It's more the water signs and maybe some of the fire signs in my in my experience and opinion that are more. Uh, fire, that, that they're more emotional about these things. You know, they attach a lot of emotion to sexuality. And again, I'm modifying this by saying it doesn't mean somebody is a sex worker or doing this just for the money or could care less about people and they just have sex randomly. And I mean, we a lot of people do that, you know, in their 20s, they're discovering themselves, all of that stuff. And maybe later, but I'm just saying, they're not, that's not the point. The point is that they're very practical. Even if they're in what would be called a love relationship or an emotional tie, they still know the practicalities of sexual connection and that those exist. And that we should be aware that they're not always coming with an emotional tie or a declaration of marriage or, you know, I'm going to do something for you for the rest of my life. Because we've been together for a month or something. They're very, very practical in this. And they often p- put off partners because they're too practical in their sexual awareness of, well, what is this really? I mean, we really just have a sexual connection or do we have, you know, an emotional connection? They're very great at analyzing what's actually going on. Whereas the other person, depending on whom they're connected to, uh, maybe looking at it as like, my god, I've met my spiritual mate. You know, sex is like I've gone to heaven, but Virgos don't view sex like that. they gone to heaven. I mean, I, you know, it's sex, they don't view it like you have the spiritual moment, you know. But there are other people that experience maybe the joy of that or the incredible, uh, expression of that is like, well, I'm done, I'm here, this is it, you're it. And that's not at all going on with these people with Lilith and Virgo. They're looking at it as strictly as, well, it was wonderful, great, wonderful, but it isn't, you know, we're not going to God together. We're not hitting nirvana together. This isn't tantric joy or something. They're very down-to-earth. So, they can put off a lot of relationships or repel people because of their more down-to-earth nature in this. And It's important for the Lilith and Virgo types um, that they choose people that are at least as practical as they are to to the most degree about sexual intimacy as they are. I mean, they do not make it the end-all be-all. They can have wonderful relationships in that way uh but they but it isn't the end of the world for them as far as their daily lives they're they're they can be very compulsive about their work and perfectionists all of that stuff and then forget that oh my god yes i need you know i need you know my physical expression my sexual expression and then they get into it so they're really more into someone who is into more security and and connection and has a real kind of level-headedness about a sexual connection rather than all of this pie in the sky you know spiritual emotional connections a lot of the fire signs and water signs you know they really get way deep into the um i would say philosophical and metaphysical parameters of if they're in a really a pretty good or good uh, physical and emotional relationship with somebody, they take it to the ends of the earth, which is wonderful in, in many senses. But, but the Lilith and Virgo person is going, oh, it is what it is. And it's it's great. I love it. You know, they can both love it, but it is what it is. So, they want somebody who's a little more practical in their view of all of these matters, which, you know, and and Lilith and Virgo, they can suppress their sexuality. They kind of are not even really thinking about it a lot. They're just kind of like, well, if it works, okay, I'm, I'm going there. They don't really give it a lot of intellectual, you know, uh, analysis, nor do they give it a lot of emotional um, traction. They just view it as, wow, this feels good, and I'm connected, and yeah, let's go. You know, they're not, they're actually... Uh, far less complicated uh, in that area than um, a lot of uh, uh, people that, you know, go into the Virgo zone and try to understand them, uh, give them, you know, oh, they're complicated, they're OCDs. they're perfectionists, I can't stand it, you know. Well, the the Lilith in Virgo, uh, they're not they don't exhibit that. Although they can exhibit things where they get out of that mode and they're just working, 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 they're perfectionists and they're not in the physical sexual mode and they're analytic. And then suddenly they're just exhausted. And suddenly it's like, oh my God, I need to go out and drink and just have fun or go out with my mate and just have a wild night. They can do that. They can separate. They're great at compartmentalizing things and it's not always great for the people they're with because the people, sometimes the people they attract are really metaphysical, loving. Uh, you know, they're fascinated by the, by the earth and the practicality of Virgo, which stuns me, but they are because they're all looking at it through these rose colored glasses, you know, these Pisces and these, Scorpios and you know the more the water signs and the fire signs, they they're just fascinated by just the um sort of ordinary. That's how they would view it. Way that the uh, the Lilith and Virgo would view sexuality, like yeah, it's part of life and it's great and it's wonderful when it's great. That's it. I love it. You know. Okay. They they view it as wow, they're just so okay with this. People spend years in therapy to get through this. And so they're fascinated by people that are just like, sure, okay, you know, this is great. And it can be wonderful. So in one way, it's great for someone who can get behind that. And it's not so great for those that really want a deeply, deeply spiritual, sexual connection or psychosexual, emotional connection with the Lilith and Virgo types. And um and uh and Lilith and Virgo is practical. Um if they're in a marriage that they love and the person they love and they have a beautiful status in their life and everything, they they can often have infidelities on their part or, or their partner can. Um because maybe they're not getting what they want, but they absolutely adore the person they're with. They're just not getting enough physical fun time. <laughs> You know, they're just not getting enough food, and um, in that way, and so they can do that. Um, so they are very capable of doing that, and very uh, matter of fact about it. If they're caught, or they're or they're partnered, and they're you know, it depends on how they work that out. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But they don't, you know. The downside is they're not giving it a lot of thought. They're going, oh, I absolutely adore the person I live with or I'm married to. But, you know, I'm not getting what I need, they're away, they're working, they're whatever, we're not connecting. And they may have relationships and outside affairs from the primary relationship. And they're very matter-of-fact about it. They're not doing it to hurt anybody, and they really do try to keep it away from their uh, sanctuary, their place that they love, their home, their partner, whatever type of engagement they have with a partner. Um, but they're, they're not, they don't beat themselves up about it. And, um, and in a way, um, they have to, uh, you know, they have to work on any, in the early part of their life, usually in their twenties with the Lilith and Virgo types, with inhibitions because of the way they were brought up or if they were really, really, um, affected by religious, uh, dogma, or religious practice, um, or cult dogma, or any kind of super dogma of some sort. I mean, it can be anything at this point. I mean, who knows what anybody's into. Um, but if their upbringing was so intense that they have to get out of some of their sexual inhibitions, they will, and they will do it. Um, I, w- I would say uh, Lilith and Virgo, uh, they're going to find a way to express themselves, and they have no regrets. They are very matter-of-fact, and they truly cherish, even if they're in a a primary partnership that is, well, by all means, basically, uh, there's fidelity there, unless the two people decide to have an open marriage or an open partnership, whatever they're doing, Um, they will uh, do it, and they will not uh, in any way hurt the current uh, primary relationship. They're not out to do that. But there are downsides to this because it's it's almost too practical for the regular person that really, really has to fall in love. They, you know, I mean, we're saturated with this need to be with people that are primary people and we have to always be in love with them. Or we have to find true love. Or Vir- Lilith and Virgo does not subscribe to that. You know, true love is not really in their vocabulary. Love... Caring, acceptance, joy, camaraderie is in it, and they want somebody they feel secure, who's down to earth, to be their primary partner in that way. But this idealistic panorama of love, you know, just incredible, you know, I have to have the world and the unicorns and the flowers and the balloons they have none of that going on. So to connect with somebody like that, perhaps in their early years and get through that process, they'll never connect with somebody like that again. There are people who absolutely have to have that 24 hours a day and they need to understand that that is just unrealistic. Those kind of people that need this constant, uh, confidence in the falling in love situation. I'm, I'm in love, you know you know, there are periods that we go through. And I'm, I'm not even talking about just being married where that happens. Partners that are together for a long time. And there, and also with Lilith and Virgo, they're not saying, if we're together a long time, I don't love you or I don't want to have uh, it, it, physical, sexual enjoyment with you. They're just saying, you know, there is a, it, there are ups and downs or peaks and valleys to this. They're very aware of those things. And many people that they come connected, you know, a, a good group of them when they're testing the waters in their early life, you know, they're they're not like that at all. You know, even if they're not committed to each other, like, what, well, what happened? You were infidelity, and they may have had three dates with somebody or whatever it is. And yeah, well, we weren't committed to each other. Why are you pissed off? So that's part of the downside. And the other side is being very OCD and also, Getting way too into the extreme and the compulsive perfectionist, um, I I would say uh, in terms of my study of Virgos and even in client stuff, that they're either into like a period of time when they're really uh, digging relationships and into that and and progressing with those, but their joy is this true incredible connection to working and doing their work and a perfectionist side that may come out in a very weird way. <laughs> it just depends on what you're doing. Um where it's just sort of like not OCD. I mean that's a little extreme, but just rather compulsive. You know, they're just perfectionists in that way and that's how they are. Some of the, a lot of them like to live alone. They love relationships, but oh no no no, I live alone. You would never be able to handle me. You'd be tearing your hair out by the end of the day. So they want the they want connection, but you know, all day long, you know, daily life may not be for them. So we're so we'll do that up to Black Moon Lilith and Virgo. And I would um, advise uh, everyone when they do their chart to look at where their Black Moon Lilith is. It says Lilith, you will see Lilith on there, and that's where it is. See if it interacts with your Venus, with your Moon, with your Mars in the chart. Uh, Mercury, or perhaps an outer planet, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, see where those interactions are. Are there conjunctions? Again, are there squares? Are there trines? You know, um, are there oppositions? those things will interact. Those things will affect. Those things will create a mood, a tenor of what's going on in your life. And you'll see them when you start to understand this more. And it took me quite a while to understand the Lilith thing. I wasn't, you know, I am like, okay, that's the last thing on my docket to understand years ago. And uh, it's good, but it was like, I'm not going to, you know, really dig into this, but it really has a primal gut-like thing when we look at how our behaviors operate within the whole context of the chart. The Lilith thing, it's there. I, You can see it. There are people that have said to me, oh, my God, I used to do that. And, you know, I point out to them, this is where your Lilith is in the chart. I used to have these things were going on and now I do this, but they recognize the behavior. It's really very much a behavioral thing. It isn't necessarily like a an emotional thing you're sitting with all your life or a mental, intellectual thing you're sitting with. Not even a spiritual thing. It's just more of a, a reaction, a knee-jerk, a gut. It's more of a primal sort of pattern, repetitive, a re- behavior element to this. So. Um, Next time, I'll get into from Lilith through Libra through Pisces, and I'm going to do Mercury. And um, also, I will do, probably next week, early, the charts. uh, I am not the charts, but the the planets clustered in certain houses within certain signs. Um, They're called stelliums, like when you have four or five planets in the same sign, maybe in the house, and we'll discuss that and some other things that... I want to talk about Mercury through the signs as well. So that's it. And um, I wish you well and enjoy your life and carry on.